I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, July 20th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech all in less than seven minutes. Brett, I have the tip of the day for you today. Are you ready for it? Well, usually we have a fact of the day, so it's nice to have a tip of the day. A bit of a bit of a curveball for the for the <laughs> listeners out there. Tip of the day, fact of the day, something of the day is happening right now. Okay. It's kind of a throwback as well. So Sony Pioneer Toshiba, they are among the optical disk drive makers settling a $30 million Canadian class action lawsuit. Brett, do you know what an optical disk drive is? Well, I was just thinking, like, I, if you gave me a CD, I wouldn't even know how to play it. Like, I don't have the the technology for that right now in my life. But it's 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 a pretty crazy lawsuit. So this was a class action lawsuit that was brought against Sony and Pioneer to all the companies that you mentioned. And essentially, what it argued was that they were colluding between 2004 to 2010 over the cost of optical disc drives. So it was. I, 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 I can't even remember what life was like back then, but clearly we were still using CDs and Blu-rays and all types of stuff, and they were colluding. And so now the settlement, which, by the way, this ended supposedly in 2010, so it's been 12 years, and now you can go and claim your $20. You can get $20 with no proof of purchase just by saying that at some point you had bought an optical disk drive. So it's a bit of a tip of the day. I, I, I kind of like the Sony Pioneer Toshiba colluding. It's like it is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic when they're arguing over what to charge for a, a CD player in 20, 2010. But also my kids, when they look at discs like that, they think yeah. it's what people put in their gardens to keep the, the like rodents away because people put them on a string and they spin totally. around and like reflect the sun. I, I, you know, I, I can't blame them. I know the feeling. Like when I was growing up, I would look at like floppy disks the same way, like floppy disks and the bigger floppy disks. Like I would see it as a kid the same way probably your kids see CDs or tapes for that matter. And so I'm, I, I, I sympathize with the kids. It's dated technology. But if you're looking for that, if you're yearning for that nostalgia and you want to earn an extra 20 bucks out of it, hey, go file the claim. Why not? What do you have to lose? <laughs> Why not? Brett, aside from filing a $20 claim on something that is 12 or more years old, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, it's really hot in Europe, and that's a big problem. For our second story, Netflix is losing big, and, and we'll talk about that. And for our last story, Canada is rounding out its climate plan. For our first story... Temperatures in Britain hit 40 degrees for the first time in recorded history, Brett. And wildfires continue to sweep through Southern Europe, showing the huge economic toll climate change can take, Brett. I thought it was hot at 30 degrees in Toronto. What's the impact of extreme heat to our friends across the pond? Well, it's not good. As Britain's transport minister said, the country's infrastructure just simply isn't built for this kind of heat. And it has caused a massive drop off in productivity, affecting basically every sector. And my sister and sister-in-law landed in England today. So Great timing. They're sweltering. But during the heat, workers have been asked to refrain from coming into the office. Establishments, including doctor's offices, have closed. And air and rail travel have been greatly reduced because, I assume, melting rail and tarmacs. The, the country is really only built for like very inclement, like very normal weather. Yeah. If it snows there, it goes crazy. If it's too hot, it goes crazy. And so they're going to have some problems coming up. Going south, southern Europe is where we're looking now. We're doing a trip across the continent. Wildfires are tearing through parts of France, Spain, Greece, Italy, and Portugal. Some of, the, some of my favorite countries, Jay. And causing economic havoc by displacing thousands and destroying crops. I saw a video on CNN of people on a train in Spain with a wildfire approach in the train. It is scary, scary stuff. Wow. The number of wildfires reported in the EU this year has been a whopping 200. 
73% higher than the 15-year average, this according to The Economist. And Italian Farmers Association told the New York Times that wildfires across the country could cost 10,000 euros for every hectare affected. I believe it. That's terrible. So, and thanks to Mother Nature, the heat wave really it couldn't come at a worse time. Jay, we talked about it yesterday. We keep talking about Europe because it's always, there's a lot going on over there. The continent is already beset by an energy crisis and soaring food prices stemming from the war in Ukraine. And now they got this to deal with. I know these problems will only get worse as those trying to beat the heat drive up energy use, which is in short supply, while the combination of wildfires and droughts means an ever scarcer food supply, which, Brett, brings us to why Peak Pals should care about the heat wave in Europe. Well, look, the answer is basic humanity. We've got people over there that are not doing so great, and so we wish them the best through this this tough time. But extreme heat and wildfires are not Europe-exclusive problems. Canadians are well aware of this. But the worst-case scenario currently going on across the pond could push Canada to better prepare itself for future climate change-related events, or at least you hope so, right, Jay? Hold that thought, because it's coming up in Story 3. For our second story, on the heels of its first drop in global subscribers in more than a decade, Netflix is expected to lose over a million captive eyeballs, the largest quarterly loss in its history. Now, Jay, we're recording this a bit early because the earnings call isn't until 6 p.m. Eastern, but you know we've got kind of some rumblings from different analysts, and so we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen, and, and what are we hearing? Well, as you mentioned, it's not looking pretty, and that's terrible news for Netflix during an already terrible year. So far this year, the company has laid off hundreds of employees and its stock value has dropped 67%. And the big problem here is that the streaming market is crowded with players competing for the same viewers, leaving investors asking, well, what's next? And where is the growth coming from? And I don't have an investor to talk to, Jay, so I'm going to ask you that question. <laughs> well, I hope they, I think they hope it comes from the gray man, but we'll see. But enter advertising. While Netflix will always have the draw of a library of content you can binge all at once, it's throwing out its playbook on ad-free streaming to roll out a cheaper subscription plan and a more expensive subscription plan as well. Now, Netflix is teaming up with Microsoft to roll out its first ad-supported subscription plan, which, with its gaming background, could actually innovate on the experience. The company's also piloting new fees for users in Central America to curb password sharing and spending big to, well, they hope, create blockbuster content, we talked about that yesterday, that will attract new users. Sorry to all the Central American kids who are going to get locked out of their parents' accounts or their cousins' accounts and their aunts' and uncles' accounts. See, it's the flip side for me, Jay. I'm the one that's offering the accounts to my relatives, not vice versa. So I'm, I'm safe on that one. And Jay, look, here's where this all matters. The streaming industry is under a massive pressure to produce profits after flying high during the pandemic. You remember Tiger King. Wasn't that fun? Which may come at the expense of the user experience. That's the big concern. Factor in a looming recession that's making us look at all those visa statements a little bit closer. Canceling streaming plans might become even more tempting. For our last story, Canada took the next step in filling a major blank in its climate plan, which is how the oil and gas industry is supposed to reduce emissions by 42% by 2030. Okay, so the oil and gas industry isn't the most, you know, climate friendly, Brett. What is the plan? Well, which I, well, I kind of like the prices right. Contestants during the showcase showdown, the oil and gas industry, will get its pick of two potential options for how an emissions cap will work. I, thank you for the drum roll, Jay. And so what are the, what are the two options? There? Well, option A, behind curtain number one, a cap and trade model that gives each facility a cap. And if it plans to emit more, it can buy carbon credits from smaller emitters who can spare the change. 
And option BJ, a steeper carbon tax plan that would make oil and gas companies pay more than other big emitters for their emissions. Now, this model would be worked out on a province-by-province basis. Now, cap-and-trade and carbon pricing plans are already in place throughout the country for big emitters, but the jury is still out on how effective they've been in reducing carbon output. And this matters because the oil and gas industry is Canada's biggest emitter, creating over a quarter of total emissions. And any serious climate action plan will start by cutting those down. Now, companies will have until September 21st to give feedback, but the government is dead set on having a finalized plan ready for early 2023. Peak Palace, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this great episode. <laughs> thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And I, I did like this episode, Brett. I thought it was great. I, you know, some might say it was the best one yet. I don't think you should say that, but have a good day, Brett. <laughs> you too, Jay. <laughs>